Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Orange, California, and I'm talking to Stephen and Seth. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. How are you? I can't complain. So uh, I suppose we should introduce ourselves as we <laughs> typically do. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Travis, you want to go first? Uh, I did introduce myself. Oh, you did? I oh, well, I, I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just fell asleep there for a second. Okay. Uh, I am the one they call Seth. I am an editor at Hyperallergic Blog Magazine, and I write poetry on the weekends. Um, mostly I don't share that. It's, you know, deeply personal. Um, and I'm glad to be here. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm one half of the... A co-found a co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, which is an archivist company, consulting company that works with individuals and organizations to assess their archives and maybe place them in a university or public library. I am a Capricorn, and I um I do write poetry that I do share with other people. Mm. And um, look I'm at you working, go. Yeah, well, why not? <laughs> It's it's not as good as as um Seth's, but yeah. So. <laughs> um, okay, so this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we call intellectual intimacy, which is giving uh, one another the space to figure things out out loud with one another. Uh, and for the last few weeks, we've been talking about pornography um, in a variety of uh, different ways. The actual the conversation actually started on December 3rd. That was our first, uh, or at least when we released the the first podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And that was our initial kind of exploration of pornography. And we both talked, we all talked about sort of how we used pornography when we were uh, younger, how we came to pornography. We talked a little bit about uh, desire and how desire figures into pornography and how it relates to art. Um, and interestingly, at that time, uh, Seth, I don't know if you remember, because it came sort of full circle, uh, you uh, brought up um, Neil Gaiman's um, pairing of desire and delight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, please go ahead. Desire try. and despair. Thank you, Desire and Despair. Um, and uh, so anyway, we that kind of set the groundwork. We took a you know a couple of weeks. We talked about a few other things. And then we decided to come back to pornography for the new format, which is where we revisit the same topic and explore from a, a variety of angles. And from there, we moved on. Um, you know, Stephen sent around some articles uh, on uh, sort of the uses of pornography. We talked about pornography in education mm-hmm. and how it can be used as an educational tool. Uh, we talked a little bit about female copulative vocalization, uh, which sort of set the stage for our next discussion, which was pornography and ideology. Uh, and we looked at the various ways that um, pornography is shaped uh, or not shaped by our ideological lenses. Mm-hmm. Which brought us to our last conversation um, and the current segue um, where, you know, so Seth pointed out that we've been looking at things from uh, my word, not Seth's word, but to to try and encapsulate what he was arguing, that a a kind of libertine sensibility about how pornography can be used um, in positive ways, um, in ways that 
that can um, can uh, rejuvenate or nourish or uh, educate, titillate, and suggested that we maybe explore uh, the topic's darker side. We sort of we kind of all you know generally agreed that that would be uh, a worthwhile direction to go in. So that's a, a recap of the conversation so far, uh, which we uh, Seth suggested we do, uh, which made a lot of sense, I think. And then we were each going to you know sort of talk about what we've taken out of the conversation thus far. So I'd like to just kind of step away from that in either Stephen or Seth, how, how, whatever piece of that you want to correct or expand on or uh, elaborate on, um, please do. Yeah, feel free to go, Stephen, because I think that you have, um, because I mean, you started off, you started us off actually talking about this topic and it, it felt mm-hmm. like we're in the initial stages that when we were talking about how we would talk about it, that you mm-hmm. had pretty clear positions that you had sussed out uh, <laughs> over some time. You're laughing now because I put you on the spot. I apologize, but but I really do think that you belong there. Sus. I think that you are, you are, you have, you have some insights on this. Uh, the, so I'll start with something that I ended with, but decided not to talk about at mm. the, during the last um, podcast. And it was mm. that the thing I guess I took away from it was there's this idea that pornography allows us um, the deception of access to another body, right? you know, and the belief that right. we can actually have that body, if right. nothing else, in digital form, paper form, or whatever. And that that deception is a bit troubling to me in the mm-hmm. sense that it maybe maybe fantasies help us grow and develop, but they could also kind of like drop a latch on mm-hmm. the person or the people that are in front of you mm-hmm. <laughs> that don't look like the thing that you're imagining all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about mm-hmm. how pornography c- could possibly um, dim our dim our imagination as opposed to expand it. So mm-hmm. that was something I was thinking about before. Um, so yeah, there's that. And the only position I think I take on pornography is that we have it because we need it, and we need it because we have it. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there it is, you know, um, culturally, mm-hmm. biologically, some of the issues that we've um, raised before in past episodes. And it was exciting to sort of talk about it from these points of views that offered me more access to it. It's like, okay, well, educationally, I think it could be really useful. I do. And and we'll constantly, repeatedly, but I'm also interested in finding out things about the body that you can't get anywhere else other than, say, a doctor's office or maybe some sort of manual, Mm. you know? And I think that that can be very, very, um, educational but also like like i said in a way if if you're thinking that people always look should look a certain kind of way and your desire sort of captured by that then i think it it can reduce your it can reduce and stunt your desire do you mm. kind of get what i'm getting it at yes absolutely sure absolutely yeah, yeah. So and the, so and so if i can sure one of the first responses i had to the question that was posed the week before uh I forget which one of you posed it, but the question was, why do we need pornography? Uh, And I remember answering Mm. and saying that it was the second thing that occurred to me that I wanted to talk about. But the first thing that occurred to me, Mm. and I didn't know I'd necessarily get back here, but now I I, I have the opportunity. The first thing that occurred to me was actually James Baldwin's answer or posing of a question, um, which is a similar sort of question, but very different. He said, why do you need a nigger? The question is, mm-hmm. and he said the profound question that he had to ask America, that America mm-hmm. was clearly struggling to answer, is why do you need a nigger? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And he said, you know, because I'm a man, clearly I'm not that. Mm-hmm. Why do you need that? So then, given what you've just talked about, Stephen, it made mm-hmm. me think that they are very different kinds of questions in that what someone needs in needing a nigger is they need someone who's subordinate to them. He needs someone mm-hmm. who they can look at. And they essentially are entering into a dialectic relationship, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's master and slave or something similar to that, and that you get to be the master because you have this other this other person playing this other this role for you right mm-hmm. okay. and we're, and we're and we're we're i think we're all on the same page in <clears throat> recognizing that a nigger is a kind of role right mm-hmm. okay. um hard r on that uh, oh, uh, uh what we ra- on the on the other hand when we say that we need pornography i think there is a kind of necessary role that pornography can play in our lives but the role but it's a kind of it's a kind of what's the word it's a kind of um uh what you call it something signifier floating signifier right mm-hmm. so it can be the kind of fantasy which envelops us, right? It can create the kind of all-encompassing illusion which people lose themselves in. But they can also at the same time create the kind of fantasy realm where we can go and explore and come back. And I'm thinking about when I was a kid and I used to read science fiction novels. Mm-hmm. I would I would spend hours reading science fiction novels. I loved them, and I would I remember feeling like I was in another world when I read, and that I could sort of forget about this the the sort of mm-hmm. material self for okay. for a little while. But those weren't so enc- all encompassing that I didn't want to come back. Right? They actually gave me okay. things to think about that I could actually use in my real life. So what I'm saying essentially is that the way to answer that question about that question of why we need it is with A, B, C, D, E, F, G, in that depending on a certain set of circumstances and personality, life chances, upbringing, la la la, social and cultural capital, pornography might be an escape valve. It might be. Uh, the kind of thing that one loses oneself in. Um, it might. Do you, Go ahead. It's a question for you and mm-hmm. Stephen. Do you have you noticed um, your own personal consumption of per- pornography mm-hmm. uh, wax or wane based on how often you are fucking? Hmm. Actually, I think the thing that that changes for me is sort of what else is happening in my life. Like if I'm in a relationship with someone. It definitely, mm-hmm. it happens far less. Definitely, but it also has stuff to do with like my schedule or how I'm just generally feeling. Sometimes I'm just not interested because I don't know. My mind's really active. I have things to think about. Mm-hmm. I don't have, or I don't feel as turned on. I just don't feel as like sort of possessed with um, the desire to see other bodies. So relationship for you would be a committed relationship or just um, one night stands, two night stands, or a person that you have a sort of fuck buddy situation with? Any situation, okay. uh, any of the above that you've just mentioned, as mm-hmm. long as there's, <laughs> as long, I want to say as long as there's an exchange of fluids, but I don't, I, don't, I mean, that's crass. <laughs> yeah, that's so that's I, super so crass, I, but as long as we're having I did, sex. 
So to be clear, mm-hmm. I meant fucking and not in a relationship. Oh, okay. Because they're not the same, right? right. I mean, I, I guess no. if you want to construe relationship broadly, right. I meant it colloquially. Yeah, no, no. So no. I, I mean, I mean, actually, just getting it on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that alter your consumption of pornography? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, whether we that's in the context of a, a relationship or it's just sex, it it does. It makes a difference. Okay. What about For you, me? Stephen? Did you have another thing to say? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to say something. So for me, it's very simple. <laughs> it's the consumption of red meat, sugar, and liquor. That has a lot to do with my levels of horniness. Okay. And wow. as I got older, I reduced the amount of sugar, basically wiped out the red meat, and I rarely ever drink. So I consume less pornography. And I also think it's about getting older, too. I just turned 53, and I remember when I was younger... The desire to see and consume porn was so overwhelming, and I don't have that overwhelming feeling anymore. I mean, yeah, that's how it is. (laughs) So what about when you were younger and you were in and out of uh, sexual relationships or sexual access to sexual relationships? Did you notice that it altered your your consumption of pornography? Wow. You know, what I think it does is sort of like looking at the sun and then seeing like Mercury pass in front of it. Like that's the pornography. <laughs> I mean, that's the relationship and the pornography is the sun. <laughs> like oh, wow. there's a dip. Oh, wow. <laughs> there's a, a dip there. But yeah. it's a bit dim, but not really. No. It was okay. it was pretty high up until maybe I'd say if I had to really think about it, maybe thirty five and then it okay. just changed. With my diet. So I, mm-hmm. I ask because I, I don't I have I don't have exper- I don't have access to experimental information. So I mm-hmm. just will go with the anecdotes. I wonder, you know, we're talking about the the dark side of, of mm-hmm. pornography, or nominally talking about that at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it seems to me that, or what I was perhaps suggesting, is that it has something to do with power and access to. Uh, our ability to enact our will in the world and that mm-hmm. if uh, and I was asking you know if if you have access to this outlet of desire sexual desire right um, you mean access to then, people essentially yeah that's right yeah exactly to mm-hmm. actually engage with another body sexually mm-hmm. um, if that if that sense of power and ability, and I don't, I mean power neutrally here, right? Not mm-hmm. in a, not in a moral sense, but mm-hmm. the ability to just kind of act in the world in a way to get outcomes that we want. Okay. Uh, if that, if that doesn't curtail uh, or it just curtail um, our consumption of pornography, and that I, it seems pretty reasonable to me to. Th- to think that that people that are not able to satisfy their sexual desires in an unfettered way would consume more pornography if they have access to it, mm. um, and so that that becomes this exactly what you were saying at the beginning of the conversation, Stephen. That it 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 modifies or blunts. Um, what we become satisfied or t- potentially modifies or blunts mm-hmm. what we, we become satisfied with because we begin to disappear further and further uh, or become – disappears is the wrong word. We become preoccupied further and further mm-hmm. with an imaginary that does not comport to the world that we live in. Exactly. And that imaginary is what we think will bring us joy. You know, yeah, it's, And it's still yeah. based on that. It's still not a uh, – it's like I'm watching it but doesn't mean that in person – 
you know, eye to eye, arm to arm, smell to smell, that it won't, it will be that thing. So I find, I do, yeah, thank you for, for framing that. I appreciate and, it. And then, and then you are, if, if that is the case, then in, in pornography, rather than sort of, um, you know, masturbation and imagination, if pornography is your primary outlet, you are subject like in an, in a, in a pretty, um, unsheltered way from that society's and culture's narratives about sexuality because the amount of work that it takes to produce pornography mm-hmm. and the and the type of stories and the moneyed interests that are involved mm-hmm. like you are subject full bore to to that culture's idea of sexuality mm-hmm. and performance like and the thing that that um our sound engineer chris had suggested um watching after porn ends which is a a, a, oh. a series of documentaries um i only was able to watch the second one the first one wasn't available on netflix and one, there are a variety of points of view that are in the, the, the documentary, but one of them was talking about this woman who, um, which she came up in the 90s, and everyone told her not to do interracial porn, mm-hmm. that if she did interracial porn, this was going to seriously harm her career. Uh, um, and, and she just basically calls out, she's like, well, yeah, because all these people that are making this stuff are all racist. All, they're all mostly white people that are making, and, you know, so, so if that, if your primary imaginative outlet is being shaped by pornography. You are being shaped by all of the nonsense that these people are putting on celluloid. I mean, it's not celluloid anymore. It's digitized <laughs> or whatever. Um, and so, and that's kind of that dark side of the, of of that. You you are subject to that industry now. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's proliferated so much now. It's so easy to make pornography now, right? Very. I mean, I mean, GoPros and things like that. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's really so. Maybe there's a kind of democratization around pornography. Um, which, uh, you know, I would probably welcome, I would say, is a good thing. So anyway, I, I've gone on for a while. So I was just trying to mm-hmm. um, to sort of tie something Stephen had said in earlier with with what I do think is a potentially very sort of dark and harmful side to to, to pornographic consumption. So yeah. so if I if I sorry, Stephen, are you do you want to say something? Mm-hmm. I you go right ahead. Mm-hmm. So if I if I read this conversation so far correctly. What you all, what you both are saying is that it's not a simple, so I've sort of laid it out as it's just a menu, right? So there's a menu of options. So there's a role, there's a, in terms of the role that pornography can play in your imagination in one's life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're, and Travis, I think what you're suggesting is like, no, you're saying no, that there might be, if you are, if you are spending a good deal amount of time, oh, that's your primary sort of outlet and imaginary outlet. Um, or an outlet for your imagination, I should say, mm-hmm. then you are being shaped by the sort of underlying premises and ideologies that shapes that creative expression that mm-hmm. that we call pornography. Uh, so you're saying it's not it's not as simple as oh, depending on the you know how smart you are, whatever, whatever, um, you can negotiate your way with this. You're saying that this thing is actually really powerful and. It shapes the individual more than he or she realizes, right? Yes, yeah. And, and I'm also suggesting that it's possible that it's begun to shift because of the ubiquity of the tools to make it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's true or not true, mm-hmm. but it does seem to me that someone else is providing the menu to you, and there's mm-hmm. like three options on it. Yeah, I mean, there's more than three. You know what I'm saying? But right, it's, right. But that, but that, well, I mean, you restated it pretty accurately. Yeah, that is what I was suggesting. Hmm. The potential for in- so 
when I think of direct correlation, I'm always a little curious about whether or not that's true. But I think mm. I just want to say that I do agree with you buying something and paying for it in the sense that you are you are purchasing something or 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 um, consuming something that has more than just a naked body. Right. You know, it's what yes. is the color of the body? What is the sex of right. the body? Yes. What is yeah. all of that? But also the positioning. Mm-hmm. And you're also looking at, because earlier when you were talking about the market. You've yes. mentioned this before. You mentioned the positioning before about the camera angles and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. And it makes, yeah. um, thank you for, for reminding me of that. Because what I think is interesting is that what you just said about the market itself and that, you know, the choices are maybe more broad, but the choices may not, more choices may not reflect more points of view. Mm, it just may, yeah. it may just, yeah. it just may be cheaper. It just may be made yeah. by people of color who may still have white <laughs> I dominant did, ideologies. Absolutely. Yeah. Because of what yeah. sells or what's valuable or what seems to be valuable. You know, it seems like right now when I turn on television, this has nothing to do with pornography, but it does have something to do with um, seeing certain kinds of archetypes over and over again. I'm seeing a lot more what we appear to be mixed race people in place mm-hmm. of black people or mm-hmm. Latinos, direct, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of the, mm-hmm. um, so I think about that and I take it to porn and I go, yeah, it's been there forever. <laughs> it's a kind of a way to think about diversity, but not really diversity. And yeah. it sort of looks like it might be something that it's not in terms of, oh, we're really looking at interracial porn. Well, interracial porn looked differently in the 70s than it does now. It well, has a lot to do with taste and positioning. Well, well I want to I I do a couple of things that are more sort of housekeeping things. I want to mm-hmm. make a suggestion that we talk about this in a separate uh, episode, perhaps next week, we talk about the racial aspect of pornography because I think that that's a deep mm. that's a deep conversation okay. to have. Um, I do want to sort of get back to this despair thing. I think I think actually about this New Yorker piece I read a few months back about uh, this guy who basically, and I don't remember how what they what they call themselves or how he's referred to in the piece, but he basically spends most of his life. Um, allowing people to piggyback on him electronically while he lives his life. So he's in a chair, um, he's got several cameras on him, whatever, and then he goes outside and he does whatever. But basically people watch him live his life. Oh, he's mm-hmm. a gamer. Mm-hmm. That's right, he's a gamer. So he does like he he goes to these tournaments and he plays mm-hmm. these games and he's very, very good. And he has thousands, literally thousands of people spending mm-hmm. thousands of hours of their own lives mm-hmm. piggybacking him right so that mm. so they can ride along for his life which they think mm. is more exciting than than their own so if i were to extrapolate from that yes he's a kind of pied piper like if i were to extrapolate from that i would i would guess that there are people who find this the porn industry um the actors and actresses and the producers also that equally fascinating and they piggyback on their lives mm-hmm. in that in mm-hmm. that sort of way spending a lot of time watching what they do watching what they create going to those um public events where they mm-hmm. get to to meet them and, and social media thing. yeah social media following them on, on those platforms mm-hmm. so there's a way in which i i would assume and i'm making an assumption here i don't know that this is fact that there's an entire pocket a kind of subculture um, created by the porn industry, essentially, or, or at least um, s- um, supported by it, 
that allows people to live someone else's life, right? Mm. Um, live at least at least mm. vicariously, right? And and sort of retreat from their own. And I think that's the, the sort of decide that's that's despair for me. That's the, that's that's the side that's really sad. Um, I, 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 I you know. Now, all of these are going to be bad analogies because I'm still figuring this out in my head, but the analogy that comes to mind is like drinking. Like mm-hmm. for some of us, like we can have the drink at the end of the day. We can have mm-hmm. the one or two. And then perhaps, you know, some of us cannot turn it off. Like if they drink, they, they want to drink all day and they want to just stay mm-hmm. in that place of feeling that way. So yes, I imagine that because... Pornography is as inviting, as titillating, as exciting as it is in that way that, like you described, Stephen, and I felt that way in my twenties too. Like it was so such a bright sun that, yeah, I mean, there's a, <laughs> there's there's a way in which you can make a case for it being a kind of public health issue, not mm. through that moralizing lens of oh, this is essentially bad, but rather through the lens of in what ways. Rather asking the question, in what way can can this be modulated? Can mm. our access to it, uh, not our access, but the ways that mm. we use it, be modulated so that it becomes a way for us to think about the ways and means of human connection and not just about self-gratification? I mm-hmm. think that's a key question. Mm. The The one, you know, the thing that, despair so to try and stick with your your framing the thing that you know despair and desire have in common is hope right so mm-hmm. desi- desire has to maintain the hope of satisfaction despair is the absence of that hope That's so right. you despair you despair when when there is no circumstance under which uh you believe you can your desire can be satisfied um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we're talking about these kind of subcultures and uh, you know, public speaking engagements with porn stars and people mm-hmm. that piggy bank on uh, the video game player, the Pied Piper, as, as Stephen uh, mimed, uh, <laughs> is uh, is a way to map hope onto to some uh, to some object or some person, right? Mm. I mean, it's it's by proximity to it we get some of their glamour right mm. and i mean glamour glamour in kind of the larger nice sociological one. sense yes yeah. yes yes and, and and in that way that that seems relatively harmless right. to me right right i mean right. that i mean because what mechanism does that not work with each of us in some way, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, whether whether we've glamoured a writer or an artist no, or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, it seems you just fine, right? I mean, that's just, just fine. I mean, obviously, and then Seth, what you said about the, I mean, sort of, but there are clearly people that fall that are in that in that long tail, right? Mm-hmm. That at the asymptote of the bell curve that mm-hmm. like are just, they can't, they can't modulate, right? right? Yeah. They they fall off the yeah. deep end. They fall into despair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They fall into abuse. Um, and this, I don't know that I believe, you know, based on our conversations or what I've been reading uh, around our conversations, I don't know that I believe that pornography is any more prone to abuse than any other type of consumption that Absolutely. we engage in. Absolutely. I just, I don't know that I buy it. I'm sure, I, I have no doubt 
that there are uh, people that live on the underside of the porn industry that are regularly abused, just like mm-hmm. the people that made this phone right here mm-hmm. are abused, mm-hmm. that I'm holding my, my right. iPhone right here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, clearly that requires a certain degree of abuse and, uh, abuse and inhumanity to produce that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, other than just reflecting on it just now, I, I, I you know, 99% of the day I don't ever think about it. That's right. Um, right. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, anyway, so I just uh, trying to uh, to bring those two things together. Well, I definitely agree with you that mm. it's not subject to, I think that using pornography, it, like anything else, like alcohol or... Um, food or drink, food, yeah. Mm. You know, anything has the potential mm. to be abused mm. and to be overused mm. and to... Earlier, when we were talking about this notion of chasing a feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and that feeling, it's mm-hmm. it doesn't it no longer even becomes the feeling that you're chasing. Now you're just now you're just it's the habit, you know, and it's the mm-hmm. the hope of the feeling that you'll never really have again, mm-hmm. <laughs> the way you felt it when you drank the first time or when you first say maybe orgasmed or had that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a it can be. A, it, I don't know if it's a rabbit hole in, in the sense it feels just like something you have to, to really kind of pull yourself out of um, because yeah. it can be distracting. When I was in therapy, I, I told my um, therapist, I said, I think I'm a sex addict. And he goes, well, did you go to work today? I was like, yep. Were you on time? I go, yep. He goes, do, um, do you skip breakfast? I said, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept going on and on about, okay, if you had an addiction, mm-hmm. it would impact these things in your life mm-hmm. really right. in right. terrible ways. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I just... Okay, I just like sex. And he was like, probably. We <laughs> <laughs> just continued talking about it, but it, but it made me laugh because it also and then put, some and then some like porn music came on in the background and you had sex with them. Right? That, <laughs> <laughs> my therapist, who shall never be named on this show, oh my god, here's that. It, I, that was Travis. That wasn't Stephen. Um, <laughs> but that is a good point. I'm sure I've seen that porn before. I'm sure. Yeah, I know that's right. Right. right that's right. Sure right. Exactly. I'm sure. Of it. Right. But yeah, this is thing about abuse and just you know just being able to parse what a healthy what might be a healthy sex a positive attitude towards sex versus feeling right. like that's all you're doing and and being driven by so you can't let the thing drive you i guess yeah yeah it, you can have the desire but not let the desire have you i think mm. that's some phrase i remember my acupuncturist telling me once so yes <laughs> i like that i like uh, that i mean i think both of you really helped me come to some insight about this because I think that my sort of view, my not my view was kind of mannequin. It was really sort of on or off, black and white, and hmm. and I, 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 that makes sense to me. That even in being caught up in ways that people can be caught up in pornography, they may very well still be using that as a means to have a life, a kind of life for themselves, a way to be in the world. In the mm-hmm. in, in in you know mm-hmm. somewhat get out of the house yeah, yeah. get out of the mm-hmm. house yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um so I think we're coming up on time I think I I'm up for Seth's suggestion that we we take the the conversation in the direction of race and pornography I, I would like to add an asterisk to that and and maybe if we could also think about the other end pornography because race is definitely our kind of contemporary Western notion of the other. Mm. Uh, but there have been others historically. Um, I agree. And, I agree. and so it might, it might just to broaden the conversation out a little. Oh, bit yeah. around that, I'm really, so. am looking forward to actually talking about like these new things that I think have come up in porn. I mean, I don't remember it from when I was a kid in the eighties, but things like 
pegging guys and things yeah. like, mm-hmm. yes, I want to talk about that. And okay. talk You'll about... have to tell me what that is. I'll actually oh. look it up before next time. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd like I'll to know. see the look on your face when you find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not that hard, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> <It's not laughs> <hard. laughs> All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for the conversation.